0: You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a wealth cap holdings podcast about long term wealth building and financial independence. Here are your hosts, Chris Evans and Taylor Welch.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Portfolio Builders podcast. Uh, We have a guest on with us today. I'm Devin. I'll be your host and Nathan is joining us. guys everybody that's joining in us live, let us know if you can hear us okay and give us some love in the comments. Let us know where you are tuning in from. Uh, We're going to have plenty of time at the end to do some questions and answers with Nathan um, about the infinite baking strategy and how that can be used to fund real estate investment um, and any of the other use cases that that we talk about so uh, Nathan thanks so much for joining us today um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and um, you know your business and what you do
0: yeah sure um, my name is Nathan Sprague I'm located in your favorite real estate investment market in Kansas City nice um, as I'm sure some of your clients are aware but I um, yeah, we operate uh, an independent financial services group called Guardian Financial Group here out of Kansas City. Uh, work with uh, a few other advisors on my team, but um, you know we really specialize in the infinite banking strategies and things that uh, our clients can accomplish through those strategies. Um, as we'll get into in understanding how it works and, and what the strategy and concept is, you'll ultimately realize that this is based on a very specialized type of life insurance contract. So. Uh, you know, we al- we also provide other life insurance uh, derivative type products, whether that be simple, you know, term life insurance, annuities, things like that. And then we have a couple other uh, joint ventures with some other financial advisory groups who are more focused on, um, you know, traditional uh, managed investments type services. Uh, but again, our company, Guardian Financial Group's core focus is really on the infinite banking concept.
1: Okay. So, what is the what is the infinite banking con- concept? I think that's the big question that a lot of people joining us want to know want to know today.
0: Yeah, so um, it may take a few minutes to explain, uh, but really, infinite banking was uh, really a marketing ploy and just a, a term that was coined by a guy by the name of Nelson Nash uh, about 20 years ago, and. I say it was a term because the reality is that the concept and strategy itself had been in use for literally hundreds of years. Uh, you know, uh, wealthy families and and savvy investors have been utilizing the strategy for a long, long time. And there, about 20 years ago, uh, this gentleman Nelson Nash coined the phrase "infinite banking" and wrote a book. I believe it was called "Becoming Your Own Bank." And since then, we've seen a lot of different groups kind of take a spin off of that and uh, refer to it as a number of things. Uh, It's been called um, your family bank or private family banking or be your own bank. Uh, I think Chris and Taylor are both advocates of a guy by the name of Garrett Gunderson. Uh, He's a big believer and user of these strategies. He calls it cash flow banking. But at the end of the day, it's all the same thing. And and it's, it's a strategy that's been in place for a long, long time. But Uh, It's the idea that you can essentially operate as your own bank and self-finance the purchase of expenses uh, for anything you like or fund uh, investments uh, in in any sort of investment you like and essentially uh, make money, um, improve your returns on those investments or from the expense side of things, essentially reduce the cost of that purchase uh, because you're really making money Uh, by operating as your own bank. And so you may be wondering, well, you know, how on earth can you operate as your own bank? And so infinite banking in this concept is is centered around a very specialized type of whole life insurance product. And, you know, we always tell people this is not your grandmother's whole life insurance policy. Uh, Many of the products out there today are, are much more nimble than they used to be, have a lot more flexibility. And, um, there's, a, there's several key features uh, that go into making a whole life insurance policy operate as you know, an infinite banking policy. Uh, if you're familiar, whole life insurance builds cash value in the policy. It also obviously provides a permanent death benefit in that it's life insurance. Uh, but with infinite banking, um, you know, first and foremost, you're gonna write these uh, with a company that's a mutual company. Which means uh, they're not paying profits to shareholders per se. Uh, they're paying profits to you as a policyholder in the form of a dividend. So they're policies that uh, you know, your cash value is typically earning a guaranteed rate of return, typically around 4% on the cash value. And then you're receiving a dividend uh, in the form of the, the mutual company's profits every year on top of that. To really uh, typically give you an, an additional one to two percent, so really you're looking at a five to six percent rate of return on your cash value with these policies um, number two uh, structuring is key, so um, you know you could have two identical whole life insurance products uh, with the uh, put on the, the same identical person, but they could function very differently and, and so Uh, believe it or not, there's a lot of design and structuring that goes into these policies to make them perform as efficiently as they need to, to really make them work um, and and be utilized with this infinite banking strategy. And that is that, um, I'm just throwing out numbers here, but I think a lot of advisors or life insurance agents, a lot of times when someone's looking at whole life insurance, they will essentially go out and buy Uh, as much death benefit as you can afford with whatever premium you're willing to put into the policy. And the way we structure these, the way these really need to be structured in order for them to be an infinite banking policy is the exact opposite of that. So what you're going to do is actually go out and purchase the minimum amount of death benefit that the IRS will allow under their tax guidelines Mm. so that the product still retains all its tax-free advantages and what we're going to do then is put the majority uh, remainder of your premium into what's called paid up additions which goes directly into your cash value and that's what's growing uh, essentially at that 5 to 6% rate of return year after year after year so um i know that hasn't quite answered the question yet uh, so it's very technical <laughs> just just to you know give you a a high level overview of banking 101 absolutely so with a bank, you know, you walk into your bank, you lend them your money. Essentially, they provide you a, a safe place to put it. Uh, if you're lucky, they might pay you, you know, half a percent or, or maybe even one percent if you're really lucky uh, in a savings account or CD or something like that. And then, if you walked into that same bank the next day and needed a loan for a house, uh, they're going to loan you money uh, at a rate that's probably you know five to ten times that. Uh, you know. 3, four five percent uh, if you wanted to get a line of credit it's probably going to be higher if you wanted to you know get a credit card it could be twenty percent uh, so if you think about it from the bank's perspective you know they're paying you uh, a measly half a percent uh, to borrow your money they're they're then turning around and lending that to other people at a much much higher interest rate uh, and that's where they they make their money they've obviously got overhead expenses and whatnot but essentially, that arbitrage spread of interest rates is where banks make their money. And with infinite banking, uh, with a properly structured whole life insurance policy, you're able to capture that arbitrage spread. And so um, to, to kind of further help visualize that, I'll use a very simple example. We, we've all bought cars before. Um, sure. Traditionally, you know, let's say you went out and and wanted to buy a a $40,000 car. Traditionally, you've got two options. You can finance it through a bank or a lender where they're going to lend you the $40,000. You're obviously going to have a a term to repay that loan. You're going to repay the $40,000 plus interest. Uh, Maybe over the term of the loan, that ended up being, say, $50,000 in total. The other option is that you could pay cash for that car, which means you take $40,000 You pay the dealer, the car is yours, you have no debt service on the vehicle, but now you have a lost opportunity cost in the fact that that $40,000 is no longer working for you. It's no longer able to earn interest. So you have a lost opportunity cost in what that money is no longer able to earn you. And with infinite banking, the way these whole life insurance products work, they have what's known as a participating loan feature. Which means you can essentially use the cash value as like a line of credit, and borrow against the cash value so that you can give yourself that forty thousand dollar loan. You're going to repay uh, interest to the policy loan, but that's simple interest. And so every time you make a repayment, that principal balance is recalculated and reduced. And so uh, you know that's a reducing amount every time you make a payment. Meanwhile, that same $40,000, and this is where uh, the the phrase use your dollar twice comes from, that same $40,000 that you use to purchase the vehicle is still growing and compounding for you inside of your policy. So you don't miss out on all of the lost opportunity cost of what that $40,000 could be earning you. You're essentially able to capture that same arbitrage spread of interest rates for yourself uh, and ultimately reduce the cost of that vehicle, and thus operating as your own bank.
1: Wow, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty trippy. So, yes. how how can that concept be applied to real estate investing?
0: So, um, you know, the example I just gave was was purchasing a car.
1: Right. Um,
0: it can literally be used for anything you want. So. Uh, using the example uh, of a real estate investment. Uh, A lot of times we have clients who, um, you know, if you've got enough cash value in your policy, uh, you could essentially take enough cash out or or borrow with a participating loan feature to pay cash for the property. What most people do is they'll simply take enough out to, to pay for the down payment on the property. And so what happens is, you know, number one it, it's a it's a very safe place to store, save, and grow your money for future real estate investments. Um, you know compared to something like a savings account, if someone's wanting to accrue funds to invest in real estate, odds are they're not going to be putting those uh, you know savings tucking those away in a risky uh, you know stock market type investment right they're, they're going to be shoveling that into a savings account, earning that you know, half a percent or 1% if they're lucky. Um, whereas this, like I said, you're earning a 4% guaranteed rate of return on your cash value plus dividends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a safe place that's likely uh, over the long term, certainly earning you more money. Uh, but then when you have enough money to go ahead and make that, that real estate investment, uh, you can then use that participating loan feature uh, to to borrow money, make that down payment, take out uh, a loan, and finance the property. But the down payment itself is uh, the piece that you're, you know, using your own bank for uh, gotcha. to essentially ultimately improve the overall returns on your investment. So, you know, the in terms of how the investment itself performs, you know, those all, all those great performers that you put together for for clients to look at when they're evaluating the purchase of a property. Yeah, that's not going to change. But what's different is, you know, where you sourced those funds to make that investment. Uh, again, you're you're capturing that arbitrage spread and not missing out on the lost opportunity cost of where that sum of money is coming from. So the two together are ultimately providing you a, a better rate of return on your investment. Gotcha. And then I, I guess I should also mention that's all accomplished completely tax-free, as per the IRS code. So, you know, with a savings account, um, you're gonna you're, or an investment account or whatever, you're gonna be taxed uh, whether it's short-term or long-term capital gains or income tax, whatever the case may be. Uh, with an infinite banking policy, that's all accomplished completely tax-free. So you have no tax consequences whatsoever.
1: Okay, so that's obviously a huge advantage. The the tax-free benefit right there, but what are what are some of the disadvantages of using this infinite banking strategy?
0: Yeah, um, you know, there's not too many, but but I'll point out a couple. And number one is that um, when you sign on for an infinite banking policy, you're obviously committing yourself to make those premium payments.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: so you know that that can be construed as a disadvantage, you're kind of obligating yourself to to make those premium payments. Uh, But the good way, uh, the good thing about the way these are structured, uh, as I mentioned, we're purchasing the minimum amount of death benefit with the the total premium you're paying. The rest of that is uh, put into what's called flexible paid up additions. And the key there is the word flexible, uh, meaning that you could keep your policy fully in force Uh, the death benefit in place, uh, every penny of your cash value in place uh, by opting out of the flexible paid-up additions and just paying kind of the base piece of your death benefit to keep everything in force. So, you know, let's say you initially wanted to move forward with a policy paying in $1,000 per month. You could likely keep everything in force if an emergency struck for as little as just a couple hundred dollars per month. So, you do have some flexibility there, but ultimately, you know, if you want to make it work uh, as well as it can over the the long run, you need to be able to make those premium payments. So, um, you know, I don't don't know if I would classify that as a disadvantage, but more just an obligation that you need to understand going in. Gotcha. Um, Secondly, I would say, you know, and this is by far the biggest um, objection most people have when they look at an illustration for an infinite banking policy, and that's that the cash value takes a year or two to really gain a lot of momentum. Um, you know, Again, using that example of $1,000 per month, if, if that's what you're funding into your infinite banking policy, um, a portion of that is going to purchase the death benefit, which it has to do in order to comply with the IRS guidelines. So not every penny of that $1,000 a month is going to cash value. Uh, but there are more expenses that are front loaded into those policies in the first year. So typically in the very first year, you're going to have about 60 to 70% of your total premium contribution available in cash value. Okay. Uh, And that's just because again, you have some fees that are front loaded into the policy. But then after that, it really by year two or year three, you're already at a point where the cash value is incrementally growing by as much as you're putting in. So uh let's say you were putting in $10,000 per year by year 2 or year 3 you could be at a point where your cash value is incrementally growing by that $10,000 and that's going to continue to grow and compound year after year so it takes a couple of years to to really gain good momentum but uh, i always tell people if if they have a problem with you know just that very short term return looking at the dollars they have available in that first year or two years I would ask, you know, what, what's the worst case scenario uh, in that first two years? And uh, they may not think of it, but I, I would suggest the worst case scenario is if they die. Right. Uh, in which case, you know, you've got a huge death benefit that's likely hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars that's paid to your beneficiary um, with just a very small piece of premium that you've paid in. So I know you don't care because at that point you would be dead, but your beneficiaries would sure be glad that you put that in place. And they would be ultimately receiving a huge return on that premium you paid in. So uh, if you can just kind of get over uh, the frustration knowing that it's going to take, you know, a year or two for that to really gain momentum, mm-hmm. uh, things start to really grow nicely from there.
1: So if somebody, if somebody has some funds sitting around, how would, they, how would they get started on, you know, setting up one of these infinite banking policies?
0: Yeah. So um, the, the other somewhat limiting downside is that you typically can't just front load these with a huge lump sum of cash. Uh, you, you create what the IRS deems as a modified endowment contract. So you know, let's say you were sitting on $100,000 and you wanted to get started in uh, real estate investments and you wanted to, to formulate an infinite banking policy in order to do this what you would have to do is spread that $100,000 across typically like a five to seven year period uh, worth of layered premium payments in order to not create a modified endowment contract and have that cash value be taxable. Gotcha. Uh, so we would, so we would have to look to spread that across uh, a few years. Um, but really that's uh, it's as simple as that. It's just, you know, sitting on that cash layering it in uh, across a few years of premiums and uh, you know you can start uh, begin to borrow from the cash value typically within 30 days so as soon as you make that first premium payment you've got access to cash value you can use that participating loan feature uh, to begin you know borrowing and, and operating as your own bank
1: I'm sure there's a lot of different variables that go into you know what the monthly premium, looks like for one of these, one of these kinds of policies, but do you have a ballpark, you know, or could you like give us um, some scenarios of what the premium might look like?
0: Yeah. So that's the really cool thing about infinite banking and the way we structure these is that that is totally up to you. So unlike term life insurance, for example, typically with term life, you're going to Pick a death benefit that you feel you need in order to protect uh, your beneficiaries, your loved ones. Maybe that's a million dollars, and maybe you want a 20-year term. You're then going to go out and shop around for the carrier that's going to look at your your health and lifestyle circumstances the best and give you the most favorable rating and ultimately the lowest cost premium. Uh, With infinite banking, you tell us uh, what you want to pay in. We're going to structure the policy uh, with the infinite banking structure in mind such that we're going to go out and with those dollars purchase the minimum amount of death benefit that is allowed and put the rest of the money into the cash value to get that growing as quickly as possible. So really, it's just a change in mindset in that uh, the emphasis is on getting the cash value growing as quickly as we can, and the death benefit is really just sort of an auxiliary benefit. Um, now, you know if you're less healthy, uh, all that means is your cash value, so let's say you have a very healthy person uh, versus a, a rather unhealthy person, and they both want to pay $1,000 per month uh, into their infinite banking policies. The way we structure these, the cash value is going to grow at the same rate for both of them. All that it means is that the healthier person will likely have a little bit more death benefit with their policy, than the person who's not as healthy. So that's really the only difference. But realistically, you know, I always tell uh, our potential clients, you need about $250 per month at a minimum to really make the policies work as efficiently as we need them to, uh, in order to, to kind of classify as that infinite banking structure. Okay. Uh,
1: some,
0: sometimes as much as $400 per month if they're older, um, we we can design policies for lesser amounts. It's just that we're forced. You know, there's minimum amounts of death benefit you have to purchase. So if you're funding it with say a hundred dollars per month, unfortunately a lot of that money has to go towards purchasing the death benefit, and as a result, your cash value is going to grow a little bit slower. Gotcha. So, so realistically, it's about you know three to four hundred dollars per month minimum uh, to make it work like we want to. Um, okay. And then on the upside there, you know, compared to other tax-free uh, savings vehicles like a Roth IRA, for example, there are no restrictions whatsoever. So there's no income limits, uh, there's no contribution limits, uh, and there's no early withdrawal penalty. So, um, you know, you can make a millions of dollars per year in income and fund as much money as you want into these policies. Uh, there's no restrictions whatsoever. And then, you know, unlike a Roth IRA or something like that, you don't have to wait until retirement age to access these funds. Um, With that participating loan feature, you know, you can take those policy loans out and operate as your own bank within 30 days of structuring the policy, no matter how young you might be. So zero restrictions whatsoever.
1: That's amazing. Um, Okay. So we talked at the beginning about the car. Obviously I'm primarily interested <laughs> in how this works for real estate investment. Cause that's my jam. Um, yep. what are some other, you know, typical use cases I would, I could make some guesses like weddings and education expenses, things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, really you have to think of it as your own bank account. What would you use your bank account for? Um, literally anything you want, but mo- most, of the time people are going to use these policies to, 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 Uh, fund the purchase of large expenses, whether that's, um, you know, buying a car, putting a new roof on the house. Uh, Maybe you're paying for college for the kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you want to take an expensive uh, European vacation. Um, It it literally does not matter. Uh, You can use these for anything you want. Um, Another great strategy, and this is also something uh, we help clients with that can kind of put them on the pathway to maybe future real estate investments is that you can use this exact strategy as a debt elimination strategy. So uh, if someone is is sitting on some debt that they want to pay down, maybe before they can get started with real estate investments, uh, we can use this infinite banking concept. Again, get the cash value growing very quickly. Use that essentially as a line of credit to borrow against and pay down those debts. Gotcha. Uh, and through that participating loan feature, that cash value is still growing and compounding inside of the policy. So while you're paying down those debts uh, using essentially the debt snowball approach, you are still simultaneously building a tax-free savings account so that once you're out of debt, now you can use your policy to pivot the focus towards, you know, something like real estate investments.
1: Gotcha. So um, speaking of, you know, debt snowball and some other um, financial ideas that are very popular. There's some gurus out there that say you should buy term and invest the difference. What's your what's your opinion about that?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, first off, I would say um, term is better than nothing for sure. It, any form of life insurance is better than the alternative uh, of not having life insurance, uh, even if it is term. Um, and you know I think that this goes to one of the things Garrett Gunderson talks about, which I know Chris and Taylor really like. Um, he talks about the idea of people really should purchase as much life insurance as they can possibly afford because what that does is give you uh, this peace of mind and psychological um, mindset that you you are protected, your family's protected, you know, everything's covered, your your debts are covered. If you were to pass away, Um, you know, not only would your debts be covered, but you would be able to support your family for years and years to come. And in doing so, you know, that kind of unlocks your most productive state of mind and allows you to operate uh, in a more efficient and productive state. So, you know, that's just kind of the, one of the psychological benefits of having life insurance in general that that provides. But so first off, I would say term is better than nothing. Uh, But with term insurance, I I typically ask our prospective clients, you know, when do you plan on dying? Uh, And their response is usually, I don't know, or, you know, hopefully not for quite a while. Uh, In which case, I point out some statistics, uh, and that's that term life insurance, uh, the last I checked, uh, typically pays less than 2% of policyholders, it it pays a death benefit, um, which is obviously... can be a good thing for the policyholder because they're not passing away, Uh, but a bad thing in that that money uh, is wasted. I mean, once that term expires, uh, that money's gone. Uh, You know, that simply sits in the insurance company's pockets uh, as profits, and that money's gone. Um, As far as the invest the difference piece goes, um, unfortunately, there's, you know, first and foremost, kind of a we're, we're, we're Americans and we're, we're accustomed to uh, having a certain lifestyle and and buying things we like if we can afford them. And so a lot of times what we see is buy term and invest the difference really just becomes buy term and spend the difference. Uh, Because people just don't have the the willpower and diligence to say, okay, I'm saving this amount. I'm going to put this towards investments. The reality is they're going to go out and spend that money. Uh, but even if they were to invest that, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what people can typically earn inside of any sort of investment. Um, you know, people like, uh, sorry, my my dog in the background getting up stretching here, but um, people like Dave Ramsey, uh, you know, I hear him touting a lot that, you know, you can invest money in mutual funds and earn 10 to 12 percent. Uh, on your money like clockwork and that's really simply not the case uh, even if that were kind of an average rate of return uh, I think a lot of times people don't understand that average rates of return when volatility and risk of loss is in play don't translate to actual real rates of return and so I'll give you a quick example and and I know you're good at math i've seen your your pro forma so if you had a market-based investment and over a two-year period, you gained 60% in the first year and lost 40% in the second year, what was your average rate of return, average annual rate of return?
1: 50. Okay,
0: it would be 10. So you, 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 lost, you gained 60, you lost 40.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha. Your,
0: your average annual rate of return would be 10%. Okay, and and every, you know, practically every financial advisor and every prospectus and report that you would read on your money would show you that you're averaging a 10 percent rate of return. And that's that's true. The math is correct. But the reality is, if you if you do the calculation and calculate the real rate of return, let's use one hundred dollars, for example, make the math really easy. You gain 60 percent. That's one hundred and sixty dollars account balance at the end of year one. Right. You lose 40% of 160 in year two, which is $64. So you actually end that two-year period with $96. You lost 4%, even though you're looking at your annual report and it's telling you, you you gained an average rate of return of 10% and you lost money and you're sitting here scratching your head going, how can this be? And it's just, it's the fact that, uh, you know, there's this, thing known as sequence of returns risk. And and it's just the fact that negative compounding, you know, compounding interest works against you more than it does for you. Uh, Losses carry more weight. So anytime you're in an investment that has a risk of loss, uh, you have to understand that the average rate of return does not necessarily uh, equate to the, the real actual rate of return. And the reality is, you know, inside of a managed uh, investment account or even a 401k or something simple like that the reality is when you when you factor in losses um, and calculate a real rate of return net of fees, most of the time people are earning three to four percent real rate of return on their money uh, inside of those investment type accounts. And so to Absolutely. which I would say you know why would you want to risk? you know, what we just saw with coronavirus, people lost, you know, 30 to 40% of their savings uh, virtually overnight. Uh, Why would you want to risk something like that happening just to earn a three to 4% real rate of return that you could earn guaranteed like clockwork uh, inside of something like an infinite banking policy?
1: Gotcha. I've never put any money in the stock market. I know nothing about it. (laughs) Real uh, estate is something that makes... Makes sense to me, you know, because of my experience, obviously, um, which is why I love it so much. Um, yep. But yeah, like I, I had no, I had no idea, and I've seen quite a few people, friends and clients, in the last few months. They've they've lost a ton.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, we've got a couple questions from some people that are participating. Um, Joe is asking, is the product that's used an IUL? Is is that what the product is? Is that an indexed um, universal life?
0: Not necessarily. So you could, in theory, structure an IUL to serve as an infinite banking policy. Uh, but understand with an IUL, um, there's a couple key differences between IUL and whole life. Uh, with IUL, it's indexed-based growth, which means Uh, they're tying your money to the stock market. Gotcha. Um, Now they're layering in um, call option hedging strategies to provide you a floor of zero losses. So your money can grow. It can never, you can never experience a loss, which is a good thing. Uh, But there's inconsistencies in that growth. I mean, you could have years where you earn seven or 8%. You could have years where the stock market loses money and you get a 0% growth. Uh, The other the other biggest difference with IUL is that uh, it's built on what's called annual renewable term insurance insurance. So the death benefit is essentially a one year term policy that you're buying every year. And so as you age, that cost of insurance goes up and up and up and up and up. So as you get older, you now run this, this sequence of returns risk where your cost of insurance could be very expensive if you couple that with a couple bad years in the stock market where your cash value is not growing, mm. the, the policy can can quickly eat away at itself. And so with whole life, um, it's just uh, your, your cost of insurance, that death benefit is fixed from day one. Gotcha. You've got the 4% guaranteed rate of return plus dividends. And so it's it's also much more predictable. Uh, we, we can project that out into the future. We know exactly how much money you're going to have and and what sort of capabilities uh, you'll be able to do with that.
1: Okay. Um, I see another question here from Tracy. He says, I'm assuming that the participating loan feature is at the personal level. If I'm buying real estate in an LLC, how do I get the loan proceeds into the LLC? So Uh, can these policies be for for entities or just for, I guess not, or could the entity like be the,
0: yeah, yeah you can, you can absolutely, uh, the, the policy owner itself can be uh, a legal business entity. Gotcha. Um, so you could absolutely structure that way. I mean, I'm sure there's things you could do, uh, after the fact, if it were structured on an individual, um, you know, to fund that through a holding company or something, I, I'm, I'm not an attorney. So, uh Gotcha. not going to claim to, to make that for sure, but, but, but I know for certain, uh, you can definitely structure these with a business entity being the owner of the policy.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Um, I don't think I see any other questions that I have that we haven't, you know, answered in the conversation today. Is there anything else that you, um, that you wanted to share with everybody and how do we get in touch with you? If somebody wanted to, you know, have another conversation about possibly getting one of these policies, how do we reach you?
0: Yeah. Um, you can reach out to me on Facebook, um, easily accessible through, through Facebook. Um, easy enough. Um, email me at uh, Nathan at guardianfinancial Uh, no M on the end. Um, get that mixed up a lot, but, uh, be happy to run some numbers and uh, ex- kind of further explain how it could work for you. Uh, again, there's a ton of flexibility in how you structure these. Um, a, a lot of times when we start working with people, and you know, after some explanation and and when the light bulb kind of finally goes off, a lot of times they then look to you know put more money than maybe they initially uh, were thinking about into the policies. And a lot of times we can even show scenarios where you know, let's say they were making a contribution to something like a Roth IRA routinely. Um, Or in the case of uh, where they've got debts, you know, maybe they're making overpayments on debts to try and pay down those debts more quickly. Uh, We can show them where a lot of times redirecting those funds into an infinite banking policy can ultimately work better for them um, to pay down those debts more quickly uh, and ultimately have more money saved for retirement or have more money, uh, to make for, uh, go towards future investments, uh, to buy into things like real estate investments.
1: Gotcha. Um, would I have somebody asking for you to repeat your email one more time, please?
0: Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N at guardianfinancial.co.
1: Well, Nathan, it's been so great having you, having you on today. Um, you gave me a lot to think about. I uh <laughs> I'm kind of curious what I could do with a few hundred bucks a month. You know, I get that this wouldn't um it's not an immediate strategy, but yeah. for long term, it it really makes it makes a lot of sense. So, uh thanks ah. everybody for for joining us on live and for listening to the podcast. Um if you'd like to chat with Nate Nathan, um, you can reach out to him via email. Or if you, uh, you know, if you're interested in, in investing in real estate and you'd like to speak with me, uh, wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist will take you to my calendar and we can um, go over those numbers with you as well. Thank you so much, Nathan. And um, I think we might have to have you on again because I, there was a lot of information here. This is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, next,
0: next time we'll get the whiteboard out and uh, print some numbers.
1: Totally. That would be awesome.
0: All right.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks,
0: everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.